here portraying Sherlock Holmes as one, and we've managed to survive that. But upon accepting the assignment to produce this forward, I naturally made haste to reread The Saint Sees It Through with close attention. I wanted to find and draw to your attention some special excellence of this particular book, some aspect in which it stood out even in the large and distinguished family of its related volumes. No easy task. Ingenious plot, constructed with the intricacy and technical elegance of a Swiss watch? Check. Characters as colourful as an explosion in a rainbow factory, yet as believable as your Aunt Matilda? Check. Startling and thrilling surprises that seem utterly inevitable in retrospect? Check. Interesting insights into criminal psychology? Check. All absolutely predictable in anything written by the master. Approximately two-thirds of the way through, on page 102 of my ancient paperback copier, I found what I was looking for, what the late great Anthony Boucher once called a pun of singular terror and beauty. I have acquired a small reputation as a punster myself, but no atrocity I have ever perpetrated comes close to matching the one that lurks in wait for you in this volume. Believe me, you'll know it when you come to it. It is spoken by a character obviously created purely to deliver that line, a New York cab driver who plays no other part in the story. New York City itself might have been created just to birth this one abomination, and if so, it was a good investment. After all, as John Lennon famously said, the success of a pun is in the oi of the beholder. I hope you will enjoy The Saint Sees It Through as much and for as long as I have. Spider Robinson Chapter 1 How Simon Templer spent a night out and Avalon Dexter took him home. 1. Simon Templer lighted another cigarette, took a sip of his latest and most anemic-looking highball, and reflected, with considerable gloom, that if the vanquishing of villains required any man like himself to endure certain unpleasantnesses and discomforts, there must be a lot of more attractive and entertaining places to endure them in than a joint with a name like Cookie's Cellar, situated in a rejuvenated basement in the East Fifties of New York City, USA. Such, for instance, as any reasonably busy boiler factory in any moderately insalubrious zone of reconversion. For instance, in the boiler factory he would not have been offered little neck clams to whet his appetite. But then, after succumbing to the temptation, he would not have been faced with a soup plate full of water, enlivened with a few fragments of weary ice, among which floated half-submerged four immature bivalves, which had long ago decided that the struggle for existence was not worth it. In the boiler factory he would not have been able to order a rare filet mignon, but then he would probably have had a real appreciation of the lunch in his plastic pail. In the boiler factory there might have been a continual cacophony of loud and nerve-wracking noises, but it was very doubtful whether they could have achieved such pinnacles of excruciating ingenuity as were being scaled by the five frenetic sons of rhythm who were blowing and thumping their boogie-woogie beat on the orchestra dais. There might have been smoke and stench in the air, 
but they would have been relatively crisp and fresh compared with the peculiarly flat, sickly staleness of the vaporized distillate of cigars, perfume, and sweat that flowed through the happy lungs of Cookie's clientele. There might have been plenty of undecorative and even vicious men to look at, but they would not have been undecorative and vicious in the sleek, snide, soft way of the chair-polishing champions who had discovered that only suckers work. There might have been a notable dearth of beautiful women who wore too little, drank too much, and chattered too shrilly, and it would have been a damn good thing. But Simon Templer, who was known as the saint in sundry interesting records, sat there with the patience of a much more conventional sanctity, seeming completely untouched by the idea that a no-girl, no-champagne customer taking up a strategic table all by himself in that jam-packed bedlam might not be the management's conception of a heaven-sent ghost. "'Will there be anything else, sir?' asked a melancholy waiter suggestively. And the saint stretched his long...